Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Active Optimist podcast. This is Arena, your host, the Active Optimist. With everything I do, I want you to believe that you don't have to be depressed forever. I truly believe that depression is the ultimate cry for help, not for happiness, but for connection back to ourselves and what truly matters. I'm here each week to support you, bring community, and give you daily actions to address the social, psychological, and biological causes of depression so that you can step into the life you know you're meant to lead. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast episode. Irina, if you're new and if you're returning, thank you so much for returning. So in this week's episode, we will be talking about going home for the holidays and your mental health, specifically about going home to family members and going home to a place that we generally aren't in, whether you're going home from college, whether you're going to a extended family's house, or whether you're just changing from your place, from your home to your family's home and to where you'll be celebrating either Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, or anything else that is occurring during these next couple of like six weeks, I guess you could say. Or if you don't celebrate it, I do think that a lot of people do go home for the holidays or do go home during this period of time because everyone else is. And in addition, I will try to address not going home for the holidays and making that decision for yourself or if the decision is made for you and what may arise in terms of our mental health and depression and just things that I've thought about, things that I want to say and maybe a little actions that we can take to have a more enjoyable winter season. So without further ado, let's dive into the episode. So first, I would like to say that December and January are pretty hard months in general. It's the end of the year, we're wrapping up. We may feel that we aren't doing what we wanted to do. We may feel that we should be further along by now. We may feel like We haven't done anything all year, and we may be disappointed in where we are. We may be disappointed in our mental health, in maybe our career, our school, our social life. And I think if you do have these insecurities or this reality, it often pops up at the end of the year because of all the celebration that's happening and because it's just a feeling of wrapping up a year And it's super common to look back on it. And oftentimes with our self-criticism, we look and see more negatives than positives. So I just want to address that. This can be a hard time for many people, even if you aren't celebrating anything. And my first point is that you shouldn't feel guilty or bad that you may not be as excited for the new year. You may not be as excited to go home for the holidays as you quote unquote should be. It's been hard and feeling like you've been through it, feeling like it's been a hard road, it's been a hard month, it's been a hard year is okay. And I personally know and have felt guilt about not being as excited to go home for Christmas break as I should be or as my friends expressed because I just didn't want to deal with a lot of family drama or just being uncomfortable out of my what was my comfort zone of college or of just living with friends and living with my roommates. Obviously, we can't talk about this without addressing family and our mental health. 
This is a real thing that is pretty common, although it is not a topic that is talked about unless it is brought up by someone who knows depression or has been there. There's a lot of shame around your family and mental health, your family affecting your mental health, because your family is supposed to be, or in our stories, it's supposed to be our center of feeling safe, our center of wholeness, our center of being comforted. And when that's not true, or that that doesn't align with you, or that story doesn't align with your the reality of your family's dynamics, there can be a lot of shame to that. And the solution of shame is, is easier said than done, but it is to be radically vulnerable to the right person that is able to hold you through it. This doesn't mean that you have to be radically vulnerable to someone in your family that wouldn't understand or wouldn't be able to hold your feelings. It's maybe being vulnerable to a friend that is able to hold that and hear you out and support you. You don't have to share this with anyone if you don't feel comfortable. And unfortunately, we don't always have someone that we're totally comfortable to say these things. And that's a reality that I think a lot of us share and I think is more common than not. Also, as someone who is growing, as someone who's invested in themselves, as someone who's young and constantly changing, I struggled with feeling that I was actually feeling more like a stranger in my own family, in my own home, and feeling perpetually misunderstood. And part of this, in reality, looking back, was on me. I was not opening up to my siblings or my parents. I was not keeping people updated about what I was doing, what I was thinking, where I was changing, where I was growing. And over the past years, I've truly tried to, you know, work on this and try to bring my family and my siblings more into my life because I found that I was defaulting not to. In addition to understanding and addressing my own responsibility in the situation, I think it's pretty, you know, it's pretty common to feel misunderstood, especially when you may not be totally aligning with the stories that you were told that you are, that you were told that you should be, especially when we go off to college or when we're in high school, when we're truly trying to find ourselves outside of the story that our parents place on us or that our society tells us. And even worse, if we have unacknowledged trauma and our family can very well likely be connected to that trauma, we may always feel that we're misunderstood because of that family's denial of that trauma or because of not only maybe your unacknowledgement or your beginning to acknowledging that trauma, but your family's denial of that trauma and your family's misunderstanding or misremembering of that trauma. And I think that if you do have that, Going home and being around family members or being around extended family members can trigger the remembrance or the closeness to that past trauma. With all of these things combined with the complexities of family and mental health, we oftentimes lie to ourselves and we tell ourselves the lie that I am supposed to be happy or I should be happier than I currently am. I am supposed to be happy. During this time, there is an assumption that you should be happy. What is there really to be sad about? There's Christmas, there's presents, there's love, there's cookies, there's warm drinks. Starbucks has their holiday drinks. Like, what is there to be sad about? 
And a common frustration of mine is urging people that feel lonely during the holidays to go to parties and feel grateful for what they have. Loneliness isn't a misstep, as I've said before in our episode on loneliness. It does have a purpose, whether we would like to say that it's spiritual, whether we like to say that it's biological, evolutionary, psychological, or whatever you would like to place on loneliness, whatever meaning you would like to place on it. But in this episode, I want to talk about the biological purpose that humans evolved to feel lonely as a natural alert system that we need to be more connected. Evolutionarily, being in a group of people has meant safety for humans. When we were in tribes, it was safer to be with people than to be alone out in the cold, out in the wilderness for predators to get you. And in this modern day and age, part of that, you know, part of that evolutionary need hasn't left us. Part of that evolutionary signaling of loneliness hasn't left us. And the good news is that we're all perfectly capable of forming connections, even though we may be looking for evidence otherwise, or even if our depression is telling us otherwise. Loneliness is not connected to social ability. People who feel lonely have the capacity to be just as socially inapt as someone else. Feeling lonely does not mean that we have deficient social skills. This does not mean that there's something wrong with you. This does not mean that people don't like being around you, that people hate you, that you're unlovable. Problems arise when feeling lonely makes us less likely to employ the skills that we have. And this is exactly the same with depression. Depression makes us feel less likely to employ our social skills, to employ our conversational skills. And we are less likely to want to socialize when we feel lonely, when we feel depressed. And sadly, but surely, this can cause us to not interact with other people and to feel lonelier and lonelier and lonelier, which starts a very vicious, unhealthy, and unfair cycle. That being said, I do believe that there is power in at least trying to have fun, trying to put on a face, because despite what people may say about faking it till you make it, it doesn't work. Faking it till you make it sometimes works for me. And in reality, I think that at least trying to fake it and trying to have as much fun as possible is one of the first steps that we have to do. We can't just throw it out of the picture. We can't just say, you know, faking it till you make it doesn't work until we try it, until we try it with that specific situation. Even if it didn't work for the party that you went to last weekend, it may work with the party that is coming up on the next weekend. There's different people, there's different energy, there's different conversations. Every single situation, every single gathering, every single relationship that you have, every single interaction you have with a person is a new fresh start. And you just have to release all the things that happened in the past conversation, whether it be a month ago, whether it be a week ago, whether it be five seconds ago, just release it and try to start anew. Pretend you're a retail worker with different customers. You can't have one customer that was really negative to you and didn't buy your shoes and didn't buy the clothes that you're trying to sell affect the customer that is walking through the door. No, you have to shake it off and put a smile on your face and say, hi, how are you? And put your best foot forward. That's how you sell. And that is a practice that sometimes we have to employ in life, especially, especially when we are not feeling it, when we are struggling with our mental health. And this doesn't mean that this is the only thing that will 
help you feel less lonely and that will help your mental health but it does give you a fighting shot of maybe I'll have a meaningful connection with someone that I really needed because I haven't felt connected with people in quite a long time and I think that possibility is worth you know taking a shot at. So the second lie that I think is related to going home for the holidays is this is the worst thing ever. We oftentimes see our situation as the worst thing that happens to us, whether it be you dreading to go to the holidays, whether it be you wanting to just spend Christmas with your intimate family and not wanting to go entertain extended family, whether it is you have no place to go and maybe this is your first Christmas alone. Maybe it's that you have a great time on Thanksgiving, but then New Year's comes and you're all alone with no party to go to while you see everyone else going to parties, while you scroll on Instagram and see everyone dressed up and beautiful and seeming to have the time of their life on New Year's. So we all know that sometimes in some moments we believe that this is the worst thing ever. This is the worst thing ever. I am in the worst situation and I think with this that we have to reevaluate the options that are in front of us the options in front of us are usually not the only ones that we have and this might call for you to ask the question of what do you want oftentimes in our mind we catastrophize we have the situation the reality that we are in currently and the even worse situation that we're avoiding and that's why we're in our current reality But you should ask yourself first, what do you want? Do you want to go home even though it's stressful? Do you want to only go home for a very little time, for a couple of days, not the whole week? Do you want to not do anything at all? Do you want to stay with someone else? And also ask, why do you want to go home? Is it serving you? Is it building and maintaining important relationships? Is it building and maintaining some traditions that are really meaningful to you or your family? Is going home better for you than totally being alone during the holidays or being with friends for the holidays when people, when most people are going home when your college campus is empty? And these questions can go on and on and on and it might be helpful to ask these questions and keep asking yourself and really figuring out What do you want? What are you unsatisfied with? And what will make you feel a little bit better? And what's the best thing for you to do at this moment that has the most potential for joy and for connection? And also evaluate your perspective. A lot of times we focus on what's dissatisfying us, how dissatisfied we are with our decisions without acknowledging all the great things that this opportunity is bringing Or maybe we're even focused on the even worse reality that we are avoiding. Many times when we are depressed or sometimes when we deal with depression, people with depression try to dysfunctionally attempt to try to save the pain that they are already in, caused in part by feeling alone in the world. Ask yourself, What do you do when you feel upset or uncomfortable? What do you do when you feel numb? When do you feel the most numb? When do you feel the most calm? Becoming aware of if we're doing certain things to numb out is very, very important, especially if we know that we're getting into a stressful situation 
beforehand, it's very important to understand what are my coping mechanisms for better or for worse. These things can be for better or for worse. They don't have to be bad, but I think it's important to be aware of it so that we can have agency and so that we can have power over it. This doesn't mean that, oh, for example, I really numb out and cope with television. It doesn't mean that you have to stop watching television or limit yourself with that. Just being conscious about that so that you can purposely choose it. And if there becomes a point where you feel like this isn't serving me anymore, instead of going on autopilot, you can say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore or I'm going to cut back on this just so we become conscious so we don't have to act on autopilot. And as it is talked about a lot, these numbing and coping mechanisms can come in many different ways depending on the person and depending what we have access to really. It can be physical isolation, sleeping, social media, TV, food, alcohol, talking on the phone with people that aren't in your physical presence, and blocking out people that are in our physical presence, burying our head in a book, going shopping. There's so many countless ways that we can do it and we just have to become aware of it and conscious of it so we don't act on autopilot. And also these things can be as simple as shutting down and just staying quiet at a dinner table, for example, just shutting down and not engaging with people and not engaging with the world around you. And I think it's important that when we talk about all these numbing and coping mechanisms that can leave us isolated or depressed, depression oftentimes, I think, more likely precedes these things and whatever numbing we're going through and what, whatever technique or action we are doing to cope with things. However, this can leave us more closed off than we would be if we didn't completely reach for our favorite numbing activity blindly and meet and allowed it to consume us. And I don't think that in the grand scheme of things that we should blame our coping mechanisms or our numbing out for our depression. I do think depression has preceded these things and it's just our way of coping with it. Our way of coping of feeling lost or feeling disconnected with the people around us or wanting to avoid the situations that we are placed in. So I don't think that we should blame these things, but we should be conscious of them so that we can have control over our lives and what we do for our mental health. We are living in a world that lacks connection in meaningful ways, and it really comes down to us living in a world that lacks connection in a meaningful way, in many meaningful ways that we really seek but we all know that we need it and try to find it elsewhere. And that is why we can't log off of our coping and numbing mechanisms. Why it's so hard to unbury ourselves from a book or stop sleeping or stop scrolling on social media or stop playing games on our phones. We live so much of our lives in these spaces, whether it be cyberspace, whether it be in an imaginary world, because when we're there, we are connected. And if this does apply to you, I think that you should take a very compassionate approach to it because it's real. And it doesn't mean that you're worse off than someone who doesn't do this. And it doesn't mean we should villainize the way that we cope and the way that we kind of avoid our ourselves and our reality. I just think that we should become aware of it and have knowledge over it so that we can make a choice, so that we can 
thoughtfully and with choice reach for something that can calm us, reach for something that can de-stress us in a stressful situation. And this leads me to just ending our episode with some practical ways to prepare for the holidays if you think going home or just the whole holiday season will be emotionally and mentally taxing for you. To start now is the biggest thing that you can do for your mental health, mental self-care, setting yourself up so you are at a higher place before you go into something that you anticipate will be difficult so that your baseline is higher than you would generally be. And this can mean different things for different people. It can be maybe focusing on just the basics like drinking water, eating right, exercising, getting your sunlight, you know, talking to people at your work, talking to people at your school, cleaning your room, getting dressed, just the basic things. It could mean that you add journaling to be more intentional in your day. It could mean that you just take more time away from other people because you know that you'll be surrounded by people in the coming weeks. That's more than your general social calendar. Also, it could be fun if you challenge yourself to do a self-care challenge for the coming days before you go home. You know, this could be five days of just taking 10 minutes of doing nothing. It could be sleeping longer before your holiday season starts or before you go home. And last but not least, try to release the charge you have surrounding family members or particular people that you know you'll see, or even the whole total holiday, even the whole, you know, month of December in general. Journal about it, make a list of things that you have on your family or what you have on going back for the holidays. Do this one page a day so that you can come home for dinner, come home, go to a party, do whatever you need to do in a less charged way than you would without it. And just prepare yourself, just take care of yourself and don't feel bad. And maybe, you know, even if you're dreading it all that you have some fun. Even if you're depressed, you can have fun. You can feel love from family members. Even if you feel like they don't understand you, you can feel love from people like that. And also, there are people outside your family. Your family isn't the whole world, even though it may seem that way, even though in this time of the year, people are really focused on family, but your family isn't the whole world. It isn't your whole world. And it may be that your family actually is a really small part of your world and the world that you build around yourself that you feel loved that you feel authentic in is not that family and that's okay too don't feel guilty about it and I think having that understanding of this is what my family needs in my life right now and accepting that and coming to terms with that is a very long road but it's a road that will leave us with more peace of mind and a better mental wellness and just give us the power to really shape our relationship with our family members and shape it in a way that is most healthy for us and most satisfying for us. So that's the end of this week's episode. I hope that it was useful. The action of the week is to research daily doses of delightment, meaning to explore a new way to add delightment every single day And some ideas to start you off for this week is every time you catch your reflection or you see yourself in the mirror, say an affirmation to yourself. Say, I feel pretty today or I am delicious. 
Another idea that I like is to eat a exotic food that you've never tried, whether it be a fruit, whether it be chocolate, whether it be a salad, and really try to savor the feeling of that food on your tongue and how it feels in your mouth and how it feels afterwards. What else is that food bringing you besides, you know, feeling a fullness? Last but not least, another idea could be to wrap yourself in a blanket of gratitude for whatever it is in your life now. Send a note of gratitude to someone you don't feel at all grateful towards and see what that feels like. It could feel terrible. It could feel against your very nature. Just experiment. Find research and see what brings you joy. You cannot fail in this. You'll just get more knowledge about what makes you feel delighted and what doesn't. So I'll leave you with that. Thank you so much for listening. If this episode touched you in any way, shape, or form, as always, please share it with a friend, share it on social media. If you tag us, I will repost it or leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. It's free as long as you have an Apple device. Also, if you do have a podcast question or if you have a topic that you would like to be explored, feel free to reach out to me at the.activeoptimist on Instagram or at Irina Erickson on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. I leave you with a lot of love, peace, and joy. As always, have a good week.